He has a nose for news and a face for radio. You're listening to Price's Highway, the podcast with your host, Steve Price. Buckle up, Spring Hill Metroplex, and enjoy the ride. Homestead Manor has a new caretaker. Hear how you play a role in their future plans. Checking in with the chamber. Learn what the Spring Hill Chamber of Commerce is all about. A Civil War hotspot in Spring Hill. The story behind that spooky home on Duplex Road. Getting chipped at a restaurant? What in the world do you do? These stories and more this time right here on Prices Highway, the podcast. Giddy up, let's do this thing. You're listening to Prices Highway presented by Price Sells Homes. Don't think twice. Call Carrie Price at 615-497-3317. That's 615-497-3317. Now back to the podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Price's Highway, the podcast. I'm your host, Steve Price, and man, is it good to be back. I guess you could say I've been on a Price's high waitus. <laughs> No, but seriously, folks, it's great to be back in the saddle. And I figure, you know, before we get started, we can talk about something that a lot of people are talking about. You've got the talk radio stations. I know they're talking about it. The news stations are talking about it. Uh, Your neighbors are talking about it. That's right. Your chips and salsa routine over at the Mexican restaurant. All right, so I posed this question not too long ago on my Facebook group. And if you haven't gone to Price of Highway Facebook group and joined, go ahead and do that right now. I'll wait. Hey, look at all these people joining. Thank you. Uh, no, so I posed this question. Do you continue to munch on the chips and salsa after the meal comes to the table, or do you push it to the side and forget about the joy it brought you only moments before? And we had a lot of comments. Let me just go through some of these. Nikki writes, I tend to eat a ton before, then shove as much food down my pie hole right after, then promptly complain about how full I am as I'm eating more chips and salsa as dessert. On my way home, I usually declare I'm never eating again. Then an hour later, I'm right back at it. I think we can all relate. Uh, Paul writes, save it for the end. Mix the beans, rice, salsa, and queso together and dip it. It's not a bad idea. Uh, Jennifer writes, I put salsa on my meal and use chips as spoons. All right, Teresa joins us. Teresa, tell us about your chips and salsa routine. Oh, howdy, Steve. Um, yeah, go sit down in a restaurant, get my chips and salsa, and usually some queso to go with it, too, and eat that till the food comes. And, and you know, as you're eating your meal, sit there and kind of munch on. They're great for scooping up the beans and rice on the plate and some of the extra juices. And, you know, you get full from eating your dinner and sit there and eat some more chips and salsa. <laughs> it's a great dessert, right? Absolutely. There's always room for chips and salsa. And there's always room for sopapillas as well, right? Yes, yes. Oh, indeed. Now, one thing about sopapillas here in Tennessee that I've noticed, uh, you know, I'm from El Paso, and uh, we have sopapillas at the end of every meal there. Uh, They are puffy. They're puffy in El Paso. Here they're flat. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I've never had them up here. I'm from uh, Baytown, which is east of Houston. So, so you like the Tex-Mex? Are you more of What's a that? Tex-Mex person? 
Or do you like the oh, authentic yeah. Mexican food? I like them both, but more the Tex-Mex. Okay. Uh, what about flan? Do you like flan? No, I don't like flan. Love me some flan. Well, thanks so much. Hey, well, thank you. And joining me now is everybody's yard man. It's the yard boy. Corey, how are you? Mr. Price, doing excellent. How are you doing today? Oh, I am hanging in there. Just talking about a chips and salsa routine. Now, what do you do? Well, I'm like most people that uh, the minute I sit down, I have my favorite place that I go to, and they are Johnny on the spot. I don't much more and get into the booth, and they've got chips and salsa in front of me, and I'm just I'm elbow deep in it as soon as it comes in front of me. All right, so when the entree comes, what do you do with the chips and salsa? Do they stay there? Are you still eating those, or do you push those to the side? When the entree shows up, the chips and salsa, they get shoved off to the side out of reach, and I focus on the entree, and more often than not, I, I finish it up. There's rarely anything left of it. Uh, what's your favorite entree? My favorite entree at, at the place where I go, I'm, I'm kind of a simple guy. I'm bread and butter kind of guy. I'm a whatever the the, the burrito is. You know, every, every Mexican restaurant's got their own name for it. But I guess most places you go, they'll call it a – it looks like on the menu to me, burrito burrito real, but we I think we actually call that burrito real. It's, a, you know, a, a beef burrito with, with lettuce and tomato and sour cream and rice and beans. Yeah, it's a royal burrito. Yeah, there you go, something like that. You're finished eating, and now do you go back for the chips, or do you let them just uh, kind of rot there? Oh, no, no. When, when the entree is finished, that empty plate, it gets shoved off the side. And, you know, that's that's kind of the universal language for, I'm done with this. Sure. And yeah. the waiter can pick it up, and that's when the chips and salsa come back over, and we're back, we're back into those. Now, what is your favorite kind of beverage at your uh, Mexican restaurant of choice? Oh, let me tell you, Steve, there is there is nothing like sweet tea at any Mexican restaurant. And I, I'm, what? A, I'm assuming, yes, absolutely, sweet You're kidding tea. kidding me. Sweet I'm, tea I'm a at sweet a Mexican tea. restaurant. I'm a sweet tea guy anyway, but it's just, there's something to it at a Mexican restaurant. I'm, I'm going to assume here, of course, you know what happens when we assume. I make but, an ass out of you and me. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to just assume it has something to do with the way it's sweetened and knowing what, I know from the uh, the vast cultural knowledge that I have out here today in, in, the, in the year 2020, uh, most sweetener in, in Mexican uh, beverages and, and cuisine is pure sugar. We don't, none of that none of that high fructose corn syrup like we have grown so accustomed to here in America. Right. Yeah, that's why I like the Mexican Coke so much better than the American Coke. Uh, when you yeah. go to a Mexican restaurant, if they have bottled Coke, Get it oh, because it tastes different. It's it, like yeah, you said, it is sugar. It's not corn syrup. It is pure sugar. And let me let me say this too, Steve. That that whenever the the chips and salsa when they get slid back across the table, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, we're not we're not just finishing that off. Oh, by no means. It's I'm kind of like a guy at the blackjack table when the waiter comes around. I'm I'm tapping like you know, hit me, you know, yeah. refill me up back here again. So so you are a uh, chips and salsa connoisseur. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much for your uh, feedback on this. Hey, good to talk to you, Steve. Hey, great talking to you. And now it's time for some real fake news with Price's Headlines. During a domestic argument in Spring Hill, a baby was thrown out with the bathwater. Now, three-month-old Gracie is in state care as her parents serve hard time at the penitentiary. Last year at this time, we were celebrating Brentwood, Tennessee's 50th birthday. 
One year later, it was spotted at a plastic surgeon's office getting Botox and lip fillers. And finally, in entertainment news, a handful of Williamson County parents star in their latest role where they act like snot-nosed bratty children on the school district's Facebook page. And those are your Price's Headlines. All right, everybody, it's time for yet another Spring Hill history lesson with our friend Bill Benedict. How are you? I'm great, Steve. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. All right, so I've got a question for you. Shoot. There is a property right along Duplex Road, kind of near Main Street, Mm -hmm. and I've always called it the Scooby-Doo House because it looks like... A haunted house. I mean, the ultimate haunted I house. Could, I could see how you 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 would see that. You're referring to to White Hall, which is a very significant property in Spring Hill. Um, you know, it was it's an older property. It was built in around 1844, right, and has some significant history to Spring Hill. Um, it was originally built by Dr. Aaron White, hence the name White Hall. Right, and it's that uh, classical Greek architecture. It's a, a an L-shaped house that you said. It's at the intersection of Duplex and Walnut, and set back a bit. It, being a, a doctor at the time, and this is close to the Civil War. There's also a a relation to the Battle of Franklin. So you know, I I don't believe we've talked much in detail of the Battle of Spring Hill, but you know that being a a precursor to one of the you know biggest battles in the Civil War. In the Battle of Franklin, you know, it was devastating to General Hood's forces, right? And and when that happened, uh, White Hall, Doctor White, uh, you know, serviced a lot of the the Confederate soldiers that were wo- wounded, right? His lawn was was full. So let's think about that for a second. One of the bloodiest battles in Civil War history was in Franklin. So a lot of people were wounded, and they had to go somewhere. And those that didn't make it down to the Carter House or Carter Plantation were Carted down to Whitehall, it sounds like. Right, yeah, no, and that's quite a haul from from the battle, if you think about it, from Franklin, right? Um, and there were Confederate soldiers, you know, wounded and dying, strewn upon, you know, the the yard of of Doctor Doctor White. You know, the house was full, and you know, I think it, it, as sad as that is, you know, there was a a, a little glimmer. You know, the local uh, neighbors uh, were across the road started uh, bringing food over, and it was buttermilk and buttered biscuits. Uh, is that not the ultimate right. southern hospitality right there? As a southern boy, if I'm going out, if I got buttermilk and you know biscuits, I'm okay, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, there's, there's, there's some significance there, and obviously the architecture is you know, important. Uh, it's a beautiful home, both inside and out, uh, and a very important part of Spring Hill's history. Wonderful. Hey, Let's just not call it the Scooby Doo House <laughs> going forward. <laughs> we, we, all right, I'll I'll call it White Hall from here on out. So that was a great history lesson there, Bill. Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate the time, Steve. Thanks. All right, everybody, we've got a brand new segment called Checking In with the Chamber, and with us today we have Kelly Johnson, the Marketing and Events Coordinator for the Spring Hill Chamber of Commerce. Kelly, how are you? I'm great, Steve, and how are you today? Doing wonderful. Hey, thanks for uh, being part of the show. We want to say thank you because uh, being a part of a podcast that promotes Spring Hill and promotes the uh, positivity uh, and just that influence. I mean, your your podcast is doing that. It connects. It aligns with our mission. So uh, we're excited to be a part of it. And I think there's a lot of people out there who just want to know what the chamber's role in the community is. Can you just kind of give us a little bit of a detail of what you all do? Yeah, absolutely. So the Chamber of Commerce 
for us, we are here in the community wanting to provide um, a positive influence for the businesses here in Springfield. We provide the networking, we provide the workshops, uh, all of the all the things businesses need to grow. The chamber is kind of that uh, place to go. But then we also uh, we want to create a better Spring Hill, so we're kind of that connector for the businesses to Spring Hill, the community. So uh, we we've been here um, doing that uh, for a long time now, and uh, we are growing as <laughs> along with the city. So uh, the chamber is just. Um, it's part of the growth and part of the business growth. And y'all, yeah, you do have a lot of events. Can you talk about some of the big events that you uh, have annually? Yes. So we've got two main events. One event is kind of our fun end of the year fundraising event for the chamber, which is our mayor's ball. That happens every November. Uh, and that's just kind of our year to time to celebrate with each other. And then our second event, it usually happens every summer. That's, our community event, which is Experience Spring Hill. Now, that's going to be looking a little different this year, isn't it? You know, a little bit. So <laughs> we've had to change, rechange, revamp, uh, do it all to this event this year. So um, we were supposed to host it in June, and then it got moved to September. And now we have scrapped the community event for this year, and we are going to be hosting a Experience Spring Hill local passport this year. Um, so it's uh, taking away the community event, but it's doing exactly what we want the community event to do, which is to get the uh, community into the businesses. So uh, we're excited to roll it out. It's going to be happening in October and November. Um, so we're excited to start promoting it here. And uh, end of September, you'll start seeing a lot of push for it. So uh, we're pumped for the community to learn about it and to participate. Talk about the state of the city. That happened not too long ago, but it did look a little different this year, obviously. Yeah. So we had to, all of our luncheons, we had to go virtual. Um, so the State of the City is one of our biggest events, a luncheons every year. Uh, but this past luncheon, it was um, in the end of August. And so we had Victor Lay and Mayor Graham uh, on and just sharing with us, um, to our members, what the city's doing. Um uh, they kind of did a recap of the beginning of 2020 up until now. And then they shared with us kind of what they were wanting to do um, to the end of the year. So it was just a nice recap. They wanted to share with us um, their projects, their goals, um, everything that the city really is pushing. Um, so it was a nice way to get that information out to our members. Um, but it also, that can be found as a recording on our website. So if anyone in the community wants to watch and learn about the state of the city, they can, they can go to our website and search it and they'll find it. And what is that website? Yep. Go to sprinklechamber.com and you can go to the news column, which is at the top of the page. And it's just one of our blog posts. I know a lot of people are just waiting to get back and seeing people in person again with, with these meetings. Are there any, uh, what, what's the latest on that? Are you all, maybe just not doing anything till 2020 is over or you just kind of taking it uh, week by week? Steve, a lot of our members are, they're ready. They're ready to be back in person. Uh, of course, we have some that are a little bit more hesitant, but for the people who are wanting to be back in person, we're trying to uh, create those events. So we do have a couple of smaller events that are limited capacity. Um, and so we've got three events actually this month that we're trying to do all three of them in person. 
and all three of these events that are happening this month, um, they're geared towards our membership and what the membership wants to hear. So um, some of those events, we've got one coming up next Tuesday, which is our Women in Business event. And we're excited for the women um, to be a part of this. It's a luncheon. And they're actually going to learn about the Enneagram test. And if you don't know about the Enneagram test, this is, a, one, a great luncheon to come to because the Enneagram test is a personality test that helps with relationships um, and working with uh, people in your business or at home. So we're excited to get that one. And that one's actually about 40 uh, women have signed up for it. So that's one of the first events that we're doing that's pretty big that we're pumped for this month. Um, so we've also got two other events coming up. And another one is we're doing a legislative luncheon uh, this month. Have you heard of that one? I saw it on your website, but tell everybody about it. Cool. So the legislative luncheon is another huge luncheon that we do every year. Uh, we invite five state reps and senators to come out uh, and speak to our membership about kind of like what Mayor Graham and uh, Victor Lay did this past month about sharing about Spring Hill. Well, we invite these representatives and senators to come and talk about what their goals and what they're doing and how they're pushing um, initiatives for this year and next year and to come. So um, Senator Jack Johnson and Representative um, uh, Scott Sapicki, those are some of them. But I mean, it's an awesome opportunity to one, meet those representatives and senators, but also um, to learn about your state. I mean, they're doing exactly what Spring Hill wants, which is connecting with their community and growing that community awareness. So we're excited for the luncheon. Um, Non-members are welcome to join us. Um, but we, this is a huge one every year. So we're really excited for it. And that's going to be on September 24th. Please join us for it. And then our final one, if you can't come to the women in business or if you can't come to the legislative luncheon, we have a mixture. So September 29th is our um Mixer at uh, one of our new members, which is a Airbnb slash wedding venue called Colonial Manor. Uh, that's going to be a wonderful opportunity for you to just come hang out and network um, with no big agenda except meeting people, businessmen and women in Spring Hill. So um, those are three larger events that we're wanting to host this month. Uh, of course, we're going to be following the guidelines of social distancing and making sure that people are staying um, healthy. So having hand sanitizer, Lysol, all that there um, at the event. Um, but of course, we want to make sure that our members are having that opportunity to connect face to face. I mean, the online has been wonderful and it, it has met the need uh, up until a certain point. But sometimes face to face is just getting you a little bit. It, it just helps. So we're excited to get them back and going. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you, Steve. All right. That was Kelly Johnson from the Spring Hill Chamber of Commerce. And I do have to apologize if you heard some background noise, you know, that kind of thing. I had guys aerating my yard at the time of that interview. So I do apologize about that. But hey, if you want more information on the Spring Hill Chamber of Commerce, please go to springhillchamber.com. All right, before we get to the Homestead Manor story, let's take a quick commercial break. Price's Highway, the podcast is presented by Price Sells Homes. Don't think twice. Call Carrie Price at 615-497-3317. Carrie Price, your Williamson County real estate expert. Price's Highway, the podcast is powered by in-house digital media, helping you elevate, educate, and expand your brand. 
See what in-house can do for you at inhousedigitalmedia.com. Like what you're hearing? Smash that subscribe button and get the podcast delivered to your favorite podcast platform as soon as it's posted. Plus, join the community on the Prices Highway Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Prices Highway. Now back to the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. Hey, the Homestead Manor has a new caretaker, Unlimited Hope Church. Now owns the beautiful home, the event barn, and dozens of acreage that bared witness to the Battle of Thompson Station. I took a tour and sat down with Pastor Dustin Smith to learn more about him, his church, and the future plans for this picturesque property that so many people have a connection with. Take a listen. All right, I'm here with Pastor Dustin Smith here at the beautiful Homestead Manor, and you're the pastor of Hope Unlimited. Yep, Hope Unlimited Church. Call it Hope UC for short. Yeah, so everybody always wants to know what the UC is. Yeah, it just stands for unlimited. Unlimited. All right, so 50 acres seems to be pretty unlimited <laughs> for, for you all. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, who would have, yeah, I don't even, I would not have thought a year ago this is where we'd be sitting. You know, we've been in Thompson Station for a while, but we've been over off of Bethesda and been leasing a property. Some we wouldn't actually went in to talk about the property because we were going to get we we're possibly going to work out a barn out there and kind of fix up a barn and make it nice and and we went into the city to talk about it and they go oh the bunny barn we're like oh yeah well the guy raised like twenty thousand rabbits out there and so it everybody everybody in the city has known it as the bunny farm when you drive by there's two rabbits sitting on the gate you know oh yeah yeah yeah. i know what you're talking okay, about okay so yeah yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. where we've been having church gotcha i know exactly where you are i'm gonna bring my microphone down a little bit because i just uh, blew my ear out blowing it out <laughs> all right sorry about that audience yeah uh okay. yeah so we've been on about 50 acres out there and it's just clear big open space you know but everything out there has been construction pretty much from the ground up we took a bunny barn that had been used for rabbits for two, 20 years. And you just hopped right to oh, the dad. Oh, well, well, yeah. <laughs> well, the dads, I like it. When I walked in the first time. You don't time, even care at all. No, I do. Oh. I do. My, my son actually is 15, and he's the dad joke guy. Okay. So I haven't picked up that mantle, so he's taking it on. So. <laughs> all right. But we actually walked in, and it was horrible. Yeah. And I asked my wife, I said, do you think we could fix this up into, you know, kind of a church thing? And she said, no. So I went to my stepdad, who does construction, and said, do you think we can make it? He goes, ah, yeah, we could do it. So we fixed this place up. And so we've been meeting over there since October, obviously before COVID and stuff. Uh, and so we met there up until about February and had planned on building out there until a homestead opened up. Okay, and this church has like an international following, yeah. correct? Yeah, so we partnered with uh, Mark and Darlene Check. They're out of Australia and it's just a non-denominational church. And they're just, they're amazing people. They're really a mom and dad. You know, that's what it feels like when you go to their church. And the biggest thing for them is they're, they're the same thing. They want to they wanna touch their community. And they said they were tired of just, they were part of Hillsong for a long time and they, and they loved Hillsong. And, but when they got out, they said one of the things they didn't want to do in their new church and hope you see is they didn't want church to become an event where I just come for a couple hours and then it's like, now I just build to the next two hours. He, they said, we want to be a part of family process. Like, what, is the, what does it look like to do life with people? And so they started doing that in Australia. And then I met them a few years ago and went out and spoke at a conference. And they, we just hit it off. And we really share the same heart. They want to touch their community. We want to touch our community. And, so, and they're big into business and stuff too. And so they said, what do you think about doing a Hope You See in Nashville? 
And at first you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to start a church, you know, because I've been in church my whole life and I know the negative connotations that come with it. And but the more we talked, we realized like we just really want a family, you know, a group together, a community of people who care for each other. And so we were like, that's what they wanted. That's what we wanted. So we decided to go ahead and go for it. So there's there's actually three other campuses in the States. There's an in LA, an Inland Empire, and then Santa Fe, and then they have a church in India, and then they have several campuses in Australia. And we're right here at Homestead Manor, the gem of Thompson Station. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, 50 acres of just beautiful land and a historic home, and we did a tour just a few minutes ago, and it's been a while since I've been in, and it's just, there is just something about this house that has always drawn, maybe not even the house, the property itself. You know, you drive by and just, it feels so welcoming. And so you all, you're a church, yeah. but you have the mission of just being a place for the community. Yeah. It's not just for Sunday. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about, you know, building a church somewhere and doing something. And But the truth is, is that most of the time when we do that, and I've been a part of several of churches where you build a big building and then you use it on Sunday, you might use it on a Wednesday or something, but then the rest of the week, it pretty much sits empty. And we thought, what if we could buy a place for the community? Like, because a lot of places you buy it for the church and then the community might do a little bit. But like, what if you bought it for the community, but the church just does a little bit? <laughs> you know, like, what if our church isn't set up in the barn to use it all the time? What if, what if we actually, even on a facility we own, what if we treat it like a, where you set up and tear down? So then through the week, it can be used for a farmer's market, or it can be used for a wedding. It can be used to facilitate community and not just the church. And I, I talked to, you know, a bunch of our, our families at the church when we talked about buying it, and I said, it, people aren't going to like it at first, probably, because of what our connotation of church is. So they're going to be like, oh, no, the church is buying it. Because the typical thing is, like, we'll buy it and shut it down for everybody. Nobody comes now because it's just our thing. But we, we thought, you know what, it's a risk worth taking. If you really love the community, you're willing to take some shots to try to do something that you think will really help. And so we thought, what if we get the property and then we use it for the church a little bit and then we use it for community a lot, you know? So that's, that's, that was the conversation that led us into the property. And the house, uh, gosh, you just walk in and there's just... You could just feel the history. Yeah. And one of the deals is, I mean, you're now the caretaker of this historic property. How does yeah. that make you feel? Oh, it's it's overwhelming, <laughs> you know, but it should be. I'd be worried if somebody came in and didn't feel overwhelmed by it, where they thought, oh, I got this. I actually feel that you should feel a little bit because it's bigger than any of us. I think the property is bigger than any of us. There's 200 years of history. And I've walked the property probably the last, you know, we've had it for just a week. But I've probably walked it 10 times with different people that have some kind of connection to it where they tell me a story or they got somebody spoke hope to them here or they were able to sit out by the pond and, and something just, you know, for them, they just found peace. And uh, the guy, the gentleman who took care of the property for a long time, I walked with him for a couple hours and just listened to the amazing stories. And so even though I'm overwhelmed by it, I'm not consumed by it because we have such an amazing group of people here that they, it's not one person taking on the property. It's families who are like, hey, we'll help take care of this. We'll work this. That's why even raising the money for it, you know, we... 
we didn't even know if they'd accept our offer. So the first thing is like, well, I'll just try it. So we, you know, we sent an offer to, to Andy, the previous owner, and they accepted it. So then my wife's like, ah, now what? And I was like, well, now we put it before our, our church and our friends. You know, we've been in ministry a long time, so we travel a lot. And we have a lot of people around the U.S. who even believe in Nashville who have said, told us, um, we know what you're doing in Thompson Station is awesome, so we want to help. And for years, they've just been partnering with us as a nonprofit and, and, um, and supporting us. And so when this came up, we said we need to raise a million dollars in 40 days. That's overwhelming, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, um, but it's very biblical, too. It is. Right? Yeah, it is, right? And what a, what a crazy thing that a lot, that so many, enough people, because, you know, there, there are some big givers, but it, it wasn't one person who made it happen. It was like all of us together. And we've been, tried to be faithful as a ministry to be really good stewards of finances. And I've always said, I want to, I want people over property, you know? And so I've always been taking care of people, people, people. But then I felt God tell us like, now you need the property to handle more people. And if you don't have the property, you can't have more people, you know? And so part of it for us was that's the journey to get in here, to take care of such an amazing place. We have so many people right now that are, you could tell, are even around right now, just taking care of it. And uh, from the house, you go to the barn. It's, yeah. That's a newer structure, obviously. Yeah. It wasn't here. Yeah. <laughs> Civil War, you know, the chandeliers and yeah. everything in the barn. But um, so, what do you? What is your? What do you envision that becoming? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've we have a lot of thoughts, a lot of ideas, and like I said, I I'm not a guy who comes in and says this is what we have to do, or I'm not the pastor that's like I bought this and everybody's going to do what I think needs to be done. I actually bought it for the community, so I think some of it will shift as the community gets on the property and we navigate through what is needed for the community. But you know, we envision being able to have events there. Uh, you know, we'd love for people to get have their kids be married there. You know, to do it as a wedding venue, uh, to be able to have some nights of some music. You oh, know, uh, awesome. I'm not promising this, but somebody asked me if we could square dance the other day, and I was like, <laughs> "Listen, I'm not a square dancer, but uh, you know." I'm... Well, you are non-denominational. So, I mean, <laughs> so true. That's true. So the Baptist across the street might have. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> they may enjoy it. But I think, you know, part of it is just what can you do to have some fun in there and what can you do to get the community into it? And so really our church, you know, our church only meets Sunday mornings uh, in there right now. And so Sunday morning at, you know, 10 o'clock we'll be in there and, and we'll do our church service, but then we'll tear it down. And through the week we'll have farmer's market in there. The farmer's market used to meet there and they haven't for a little while. And we've invited them back into that. And so we're excited about that. And it's open air, which is cool. It's so it's such a unique barn, you know? And so it's like, we can have farmer's market in there again. We can have different things on the property, but um, we have a lot of amazing people in our church that have been dreaming of a place like this for a long time to help our community. And so part of it is like getting together with them and, and find out like what, what needs to be done here. And having some of those meetings, even with the city of Thompson Station and some of those who are, you know, uh, who have been here even longer and say, what do you feel needs to happen? And maybe we can help facilitate some of that. As you've walked the property, what are some of the, uh, just some of the uh, things that have popped out that you didn't know was part of the property? And what's your favorite part of the, this whole historic homestead manor? Oh man, my, I, probably just my favorite part is the very front 
when you drive by the trees that are massive and you can tell there's a history there. And so the land to me is just gorgeous. And I, I've been blown away. Every time I, it's breathtaking to drive on it, I think. And, but walking through the house is so special. And we've gotten to walk through with some people who knew some of the stories. And so telling us about the young 17-year-old girl who looked out the window of the cellar. And so when you walk down into that cellar, you can see out the window and you can just picture, I'm a movie guy, you know, so I love seeing things in movies. And I can just picture a battle going on and this young girl bolting out to grab the flag, you know. And so that the historical stuff for me is is mind-blowing. And I'm hoping we can get a historian out here to even walk people through and even to be able to tell them the stories. So, you know, that's one of the, that's one of my big hopes because I want to walk it with a historian, yeah. you know? But <laughs> why not? Like, let's just get together and let's walk it and let's get some people out here and, and be able to, you know, that's something that we can facilitate for people to like, hey, you want to know some history? We're going to do that on this day. And you get to walk it and hear the stories. What are some of the other structures on this property? So there's the barn. There's a schoolhouse right uh, next to it that was built in 1814. And so the house was started in 1809 and finished in 1819. That was built in 1814, which is crazy because Thompson Station was, was established in 1798. So just, you know, not even 20 years after that house was built. And, and I, I had a friend here, my dad passed away and I have a friend here this week from Indiana. And he said, do you realize that house is like older than Indiana? <laughs> He's like, Indiana was not even wow. established. So there's a schoolhouse over there. It's, it's neat because there's what we're in right now uh, was a wine bar. And we're talking about turning this into a, a coffee shop and have a coffee shop here where people can come grab coffee and then go in the house and, and sit in the house and be able to drink coffee. Yeah, paint the picture of this room for people who haven't been in here. It's, oh, it's breathtaking. So they call it the conservatory. And so when they did add on, it's in a land trust, Tennessee land trust. So there's only certain things that you can build. So we can't just go build on the land. Uh, you have to follow the land trust and what the land trust has established. So one of the things that they had established is you could build a conservatory. And so right off the back of the house, if you can just picture, there's a huge brick floor and that was actually the patio of the house. So when you would walk out of the house, you could walk onto this beautiful brick patio. Well, when they decided to build the, uh, the conservatory, they actually tore up all the brick and then relayed them. So it was the exact same floor, but they relayed the brick. And then they built this all windows uh, conservatory with wood beams on the ceiling. And then they wanted to keep the historical nature. So they told us that this, uh, even the bar top is actually from Andrew Jackson's hermitage, that they uh, took yeah. it from his house and they brought it out here because they wanted to keep a historical nature. And so they even put that as the bar. So it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous room. And so we were like, well, what's, the, what's something that everybody could partake in if you could have coffees and teas or things like that? And so right now we have a group of people who are really just dreaming, like, what could that be for the city, you know? And what could we do here to where people could come in and have meetings, be able to have, get some free Wi-Fi, maybe even put some, you know, tables and chairs outside and sit around it and just... You know how it is. There's, you can't have enough of those meeting spaces in, in a town. Right. And right. so this would be a great space where you'd come over and sit for a couple hours and grab a coffee and a friend and just sit in a house that's built in 1819. How many stories do you think happened in that house? I'm you. you. know, like and there's one room. I don't know what they call it. It's, it's kind of the library. There's two old, 
old chairs in there, you know, and leather chairs. And I'm, I think we're gonna fight to try to keep those chairs in there, you know? Like how many people do you think sat in those chairs having conversations about life, you know? And right. now we get, to, we get to continue that. And I had a friend one time, he, he was talking about, you know, we're creatives, you know, we like to create. But he said, you know, a lot of times we're not really creating things in this kind of environment because it's been here 200 years. We're actually activating things that were, that were already established. We just didn't necessarily know about it. And so you get to come here and activate some things and have conversations that have been held in there for 200 years, you know. What's your vision for the house? I just want it to be a place that, you know, when Andy was selling it, one of the things he was, he didn't want to happen was he didn't want it to become a residence so no one could come into it, where it was just a couple people living in it. And let's back up real quick. Andy Marshall, let's yeah. talk about him real quick and, and the restaurant that used to be here that he owned. Yeah. So, and I don't know a lot about Andy. I do know that I ate at the restaurant and I loved it. So, <laughs> so I know it was. And so I have good memories, even with my own family in there. So I don't know Andy personally, but Andy Marshall owned it, started Homestead Manor uh, as a restaurant about four years ago. That's when he built the barn and did it as an event barn. And people know him from Puckets. Yeah, so he owns Puckets. And he, he did farm to table. So it's kind of neat when you drive to the back of the property, which we're hoping to open up to, is that there's gardens back there. There's a greenhouse and barn back there. There's 30 acres of woods in the back. And so we've just been dreaming. Who knows? We, we'd love to put maybe trails back there, you know, like a place where people could come and uh, walk around. But so Andy, Andy's really took really good care of this property. And so he took great care of the house, uh, was, you know, established really a beautiful place that can now be open to the community in different ways. And so you see maybe some uh, writing rooms? Yeah, so I've been a songwriter for a long time. I have a lot of friends who write country music and Christian music, and we've been downtown. I uh, wrote at, on Music Row quite a bit when I first came. I started coming to Nashville about 10 years ago okay. and then moved here about five years ago. And when I first started coming, most of my writes happened down in Music Row. And then little by little, they started coming towards Franklin. So then I almost only wrote in Franklin. I, meant, I might go down to Music Row six, seven times a year. Now, most of my rides happen Thompson Station, you know, Spring Hill area. Three or four might happen in Franklin, and then one a year in Music Row, you know? So it's kind of neat, because we were like, what if we could set up a couple rooms upstairs where maybe there's some uh, area for some of our friends to come in and write together? and do music together and we do it anyways it's what we do for a living you know it's what we've been doing for a long time is just writing songs and guys like michael w smith uh was um and some of the some of the others that we've had a chance to write with and uh, write for this is that kind of place where it's like you want to come in and write do some music here and we see a lot of music being birthed on this property the next big hit could be right here would it that'd be awesome, that'd be awesome. wouldn't it yeah. yeah i think it's going to have a lot of great songs written out of this place any um I remember something about a recording studio. Uh, is that kind of a, a vision yeah. as well? It's part of a vision that we'd love to have. You know, they're not they're not what they used to be, so you don't have to have a multi-million dollar facility, you know. It's nice because you have a couple pretty decent speakers and you can have a setup. So we've talked about putting something over here um, where we can capture some of the things that possibly happen. If a live event happens in the barn, what would it be like if we could capture it for the people who do the live event? Or what if a wedding happens in there and you want a really good recording of it? Wouldn't it be great to have a studio where all that music and all the stuff for the wedding actually goes into a video audio suite that we get to then produce for them and have stuff like that as options. 
So it's, it's all dream, you know, uh, some of that stuff, but it's stuff we already do. So it's not like it's a far off dream. It's just something that, is that what best fa is facilitated on the property? And I, I don't think we can say for sure yet, but I can say that there's a lot of, a lot of great dreams that I think can happen here. And you took me to the kitchen. Yeah. It's really cool, is it? Uh, the, uh, the historic refrigerator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the one, yeah, yeah, exactly. The Civil War. Yeah. No, you get, you've got plenty of updated stuff, but then you have that awesome pizza oven. Oh man, it is one of the most, it was actually when I walked in, it was a surprise to me because I didn't know, you saw the kitchen, I was like, oh, it's, it's a kitchen, you know? And then you walk in the back and he's, and there's a steak grill back there that's like a Brazilian type of steak grill. And then there's that big, huge pizza oven. And so almost every man that walks in there like, yes, like <laughs> I want to do that, whatever that is. So, you know, again, with the, with the group that we've been talking through what, what do we do at the property, that, that keeps coming up. It's like, could we make pizzas for people? Could we do sandwiches? Could we do, so who knows what'll come out of that, but it's, it's at least available. So that's actually not, a, that, that's actually probably more in place than the uh, studio. <laughs> so a lot of people don't know music. You still eat pizza. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> so tell everybody, who is Dustin Smith? I'm a dad, I'm a husband. So, you know, I think I'm a pastor of a church, but my biggest thing has always just been my, has been family. And, you know, I grew up, I'm a fourth generation pastor. So I'm the guy who's like, I'll never be a pastor, <laughs> you know? And, and I started doing music when I was a kid and then I just fell in love with music. And I've been doing music almost my whole life. And so getting to come to Nashville was like breathtaking in the first place and getting to sign a deal to, to, to write music and record and all of that. But through all of it, I've just met a lot of people in the music business and in other things that are just lonely. In Zimbabwe, they were having a problem with suicide. And so the elders got together and what they did to try to help um, curb the suicide rate was they put a bench out and the elders of the city would go sit on that bench and said, if you need someone to talk to, come sit on the bench. And, pe and the suicide rate, they said, dropped by double digits. And we found out here in Thompson, you know, or Williamson County, I was reading in 2018, they said it was the second highest suicide rate in, in the state. And you realize a lot of that comes out of isolation and loneliness. And so I'm a person who hates seeing people sit by themselves, mm -hmm. you know? And I told my son the story of the bench and we were like, what if we could create that on this property, a friendship bench where somebody could come and sit and, and somebody's gonna come sit with you. And my son said, I've got that at my school. I was like, what? And he said, yeah. He said, we have a bench that if you're all by yourself, you can sit down and in five seconds, someone will come sit with you. Oh, that's great. And I thought, you know, for me, who's Dustin? Like, I want to be a friend of the friendless. And I think I'm a person who wants to see family and community. Um, you know, I want, I don't want neighbors who, you know, we've, we've shifted from, remember in the 50s, 60s, people sit on their front porch and wave at each other. And then it shifted to a back porch culture society mm -hmm. where we only cook out with our friends. And now we're kind of an inside culture where we don't even know our neighbors. And I want to, I want to fix some of that. You know, I want a place where people can come and meet neighbors and where they can know each other and feel like, you know what? I have a friend there. I don't have to go to church there even. I don't have to be a part of what they're doing, but I know I have a friend. I know I have people that'll be there for me, you know? And so it's what we've always wanted to be and wanted to do. And I think anybody will tell you um, that that's who I am. And I became a pastor, not because I needed a title, but because I just love people. And so 
I want to see people do better in life. I want to see marriages do better. I want to see kids do good. I want to, you know, I want to help kids who don't have families have families. And uh, so that's why we've got this place is because we want to create a place where people can come and find each other, you know, and that's what we're hoping can happen. So as far as the history of this house, um, we know it's seen a battle, but it's seen other things as well. What did this property used to do for the people of Thompson Station and around the area? Yeah, yeah, I was reading up on the history of it because, you know, driving by it, there's there's such a pull to it. And it's, it's like you said earlier, it's like a gem of the city. You know, you're like, when you drive by it, you can't help but to just look at it every time. And so I think that's happened for a long time because the history is it was a post office. Uh, they said that's been used as a general store. It's been, it was used as a hospital during the Civil War. I mean, they, there's upstairs, they said there's still spots where you can see blood on the third floor. You know, it's kind of maybe weird for some people, but, but histor- you can't tell now. It just looks like stain, you know, on the floor. So don't freak out, people. But uh, it was used as a hospital, and it's also been used as a restaurant, and it's been used as a home. And I, I, I loved When I read that, I was like, I want that to happen again for Thompson Station. Not a post office in the sense of just like you get mail, but you get messages. Or you could come, like get a message of hope. Maybe you sit by the pond, you get a message of peace, you know. And But I want it to be like a general store. It's like, I went there, I got my needs met. You know, like I found something there. And I took it home. <laughs> what do you do in a general store? I want it to be a hospital where people find healing. You know, people find hope again. There's a lot of brokenness in our nation. And I don't know that um, screaming on social media is going to fix it. You know, everybody's a keyboard warrior, but I want to sit down over coffee with somebody I even disagree with and be able to have a conversation looking in the eyes. So what a better place to do that than a place where there's healing and a restaurant where everyone's invited to the table, you know, come and eat, come and sit with us, come and, you know, come and join. And then as a home to where you just feel like, and I think all of us have said that, I feel home here. Like when you drive by, you're like, I feel like you said it. You're like, how you told your wife, how can we buy that place? Right. You know, and I've had, I mean, I've had so many people like, man, I, I just went out with a group, a couple from Australia the other day. And they were like, my wife and I have driven by that so many times thinking like, man, we should buy that place. And I don't even know what we would do with it. I just want to buy it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's a pull. Yeah. yeah. And so several of our group has said the same thing of like, I want to buy that place. And now, now I feel like we all own it. I don't feel like a church owns it, really. I feel like um, we almost redeemed it, like we're getting it back for the city kind of thing, you know? And not that, I I, I already told you I honor Andy because he did such a great job with the property. So it's not that, it's just like, can can we have it? Can we do more stuff on it than we have before? Can, you know, if I didn't come for a restaurant, I probably wouldn't have come. Or if I didn't come for, you know, uh, but maybe you get to come take a walk. Maybe just walk around the property. Maybe there's a place you can get on a trail or maybe there's a place you can, you know, sit down around a pond. And so that's our hope is like, maybe this is, maybe it's all of ours again. Pastor Dustin Smith, thank you so much for spending time with me today and with our audience. Yeah, I had a blast. Thanks for, thanks for letting me do it. To learn more about Hope Unlimited Church, you can check them out via the interweb at hopeuc.com. You can also check them out in person. They get started at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. And they're also on social media as well at Hope UC Nashville. Okay, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Price's Highway, the podcast. I'd like to thank all my guests for being on the show. And as always, I'd like to thank you, the listening audience, for actually listening. 
If you like what you hear and want to subscribe, just mash that button down to get the show every time a new one drops. And hey, you might want to join in the conversation as well over there on the uh, the Facebook group. We're at uh, facebook.com slash group slash Prices Highway. We'd love to see you over there. Have a story idea, upcoming event, or even comment about the show. Got an email address you can be pithy at at priceshighway at gmail.com. Once again, this show is presented by Price Sells Homes. Don't think twice. Call Carrie Price at 615-497-3317. Carrie Price, your Williamson County real estate expert. Prices Highway is powered by in-house digital media, helping you elevate, educate, and expand your brand. Learn more at inhousedigitalmedia.com. All right, everybody, buckle up and drive safe out there. I'll see you next time right here on Prices Highway, the podcast. So long, everyone. You've been listening to Prices Highway, a Steve Price totally terrible podcast production. 